This is a millennial production. Episode 3 alert, episode 3 alert, <laughs> we back, don't make no sense podcast, I'm your host Evan James, um, man, these last couple, it's been a, it's been a, it's been a busy last couple of weeks, I know I, I told y'all on the first episode I plan to have this, a weekly podcast, but I also said that it's gonna take a little while before I'm able to do that and get everything smooth the way I want it, I'm still trying to put this thing together and organize it the way I can. Um, so until I get it to that point, I'm just going to be dropping podcasts whenever I, whenever I can. Um, so eventually I'm going to get to the point to where I'm dropping it on a certain day on every day of the week. Um, but I'm not there yet. So just bear with me, subscribe to the podcast and you'll know every time I drop a podcast, no matter when I drop it, it'll let you know, um, man, it's starting to get cold outside, man. Like I'm, I'm sitting out here in my car doing this part right here and, uh, I love the fall because of the colors and the you know all the the cool crisp clear air. But once it starts getting like cold, cold, I'm like ah man, shit, I'm ready for this shit to be over with. And if they talk about snow, I'm like man, I I don't like snow. I, snow is cool only if you don't have to go to work. If you could just stay home and have a snow day, I'm all for it. But when you have to drive to work and this shit, I'm like fuck it, it's just an inconvenience. You know, it ain't like we in school no more. Can't wait for a snow day. I wish we could do that, but can't do it no more. Um, I remember a couple of years ago. Well, no, actually, last year we had a couple of bad ice storms, and then there was like a state of emergency. Stay off the road. Ford let us know quick. I work. That's why I work. I work at Ford. They let me know quick. They was like, that state of emergency does not apply to y'all. We expect to see y'all here bright and early tomorrow. I'm like, damn. But, you know, it is what it is. You just got to take your time when you drive and just, you know, do your thing. It ain't like we live in Chicago or nothing like that. But that ice is a bitch. Um, man, I want to talk about this Travis Scott thing. Uh, you know, originally when I heard all this stuff that was going on, it's very unfortunate that those people lost their lives and people got hurt. It, you know, it's very sad. And it it sucks man like i i would never go to a concert like that like i don't mind going to concerts like if they're like in an arena and there's seating and there's organization but those festivals man fuck that that's a that's a young person's game even when i was younger i probably wouldn't want to do that it, it it sounds like a lot of fun but once you get right in the mix of all those people if anything goes wrong if you have anything that you got to do in emergencies pops up like there's nowhere you, you're stuck it's like an ocean of people and they said this concert had 50,000 people there. That's crazy. Like, the Yum Center only holds, like, 20,000. 50,000 is almost, an, it's almost a football arena. A football stadium, I mean. Like, I, that's a lot of people to be out there in some grass. You know what I'm saying? On some gravel or whatever they were standing on. Like, that's crazy. I, I couldn't do it. But when I heard people die, it's very unfortunate. I wasn't shocked. I was surprised, but I wasn't shocked because... When you have that many people just out there in a free for all, that stuff—I mean, the stuff—the way the way people were dying that day—it made sense. The people up front, 
closest to the stage got basically squashed. You know what I'm saying? Everybody tried to rush the stage when the when the uh when Travis Scott came out. That's what I it's what I I mean, that's the way I take from the story. And the people up close to the stage was all getting smashed up against the stage. People was going people was going to cardiac arrest and all that crazy shit. And it's like that's so unfortunate. But what I don't understand well, what I didn't understand is how everybody's uh blaming Travis Scott. So from what I understood I thought like the festival, even though the festival has his name on it, I just figured it was a festival so that some promoters threw together and they are paying him to put his name on the festival, on the festival, I said festival, on the festival to basically, you know, promote it. I just thought it was something they, something somebody put together and they said, yo, Travis, we're going to put this festival together and we want to pay you to, we want to pay you to put your name on it and make it your festival or whatever. But basically, I just figured he was going to be there just to uh, perform. But some people told me basically today I was at the barbershop. They basically let me know that no, this is this is his festival. It's called the Astro World or whatever it's called. And uh, that's the name of his album. This his festival that he started back in 2017, I believe. So that right there tells me, yeah, he does have some accountability. Um, but I was like, at first I was like, Man, what's he supposed to do? Like he's on stage. Like he he's not running security. He's not doing none of that. He's just a performer. He's just there to perform. And then like they show clips where he was like stopping the show and telling people, "Hey, uh, this person over here needs help. This person over there needs help." And on top of that, when he's on stage, he can't really see. There's fifty thousand people and it's dark outside. He's not. He's got all this music blasting in his ear. He got all these lights and shit. Like, how's he supposed to really see all what's going on? in the mix of 50,000 people while he's trying to perform a professional show. Like, how does he, how can you hold him accountable for that? What about security? What about the promoters? What about this? What about that? We come to find out he's part of the promotion. Like, he, I mean, he's, it's his show. So I'm like, damn, I guess it is kind of his, uh, I mean, I guess, I, I didn't say, I was never thinking that he didn't have any accountability, but you know what I mean? And then come to find out, they're pulling up all this past stuff that he's done. And apparently he's had moments where he's basically incited, you know, like, I've never, I don't really listen to Travis Scott like that. But apparently when he has these concerts, a lot of times he will incite rage. Now, he's not in trying, he's not trying to incite violent rage, but he's inciting people to turn up to the, to the max type shit. And he does this. And when he does that, people get wild. People have been drinking. People get wild, and it's like mosh pits and all kind of crazy shit. And he incites that. Even though he's not inciting people to die or be violent, he's inciting he's inciting rage. So that's not looking good for him. And then there's another moment where he was, like, involved in somebody getting beat up. Somebody tried to take his shoes. Somebody tried to do something to him, or somebody tried to approach him or something like that. And he had some guys jump him, and he was like saying get him get him get him and all that kind of shit you know anytime something like this happens they're gonna go to your past especially with black people man they're gonna go to your past and find any kind of dirt on you they can use for your case to put you behind bars and if they can't find nothing on you they'll find something about your daddy your mama your cousin somebody you grew up with your pastor anything anything to put on you to make your your name look crazy so that's what they did and apparently man they found some shit on this dude that don't look good for him. So I don't think he's about to go to jail or anything like that. But he's clearly, he's already offered to pay a lot of money. Um, 
to like the people's funerals and give and give uh and give uh, refunds to everybody that came to the show, which is something he should do, considering a hundred people was injured, eight people died, and they said one of the people that died was nine years old. First of all, I'm sorry that happened. That's sad. But what was a nine-year-old doing at a Travis Scott festival that had that has fifty thousand adults and mosh pits and all this kind of crazy shit? There were some people that died. There was like fourteen. I'm like, was there not like an age limit? Who who? Like, okay, the nine-year-old that died, R.I.P., sad. But the parent of that nine-year-old that had that nine-year-old there with them should be held accountable, held accountable too. It's like, why would you bring your child to this event? This is not a, this is not a, ch- a child-friendly event. You got a bunch of drunk uh, adults out here acting and wilding out. Are you going to bring your nine-year-old to this? Like, this, that's crazy to me. That's crazy. So, um... But yeah, man, I just, I don't really know, you know, I, I guess we have to wait to see what unfolds with this, but it's, it's, that whole story is crazy to me, you know what I mean? When I first heard about it, I was like, damn, if they're going to hold him accountable for that, they should hold Alec Baldwin accountable for shooting that dude on the movie set. And I already talked about that. I don't think he should be held accountable. He should hold some accountability considering he is the one that pulled the trigger, but it's like, he's not responsible it's not his it's not his responsibility to make sure it's not a real gun with real bullets in it. That's the 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 prop manager, the director, the on-set manager, the assistants and all that crazy stuff. They're supposed to be able to know what is what, give him the gun and say this is what you're using in this scene. When he shot that gun, he didn't know that person was really going to get shot by bullets and all that kind of stuff. I don't think he should be in trouble in trouble for that. But what I'm saying is if they're going to hold if they're going to hold uh, Travis Scott account- accountable for all these people that got killed, I'm like, well, damn, if that's the case, Alec Baldwin should be held fully accountable too then. But, you know, Travis Scott's situation is a little different. Like I said, he was, he pretty much was over the concert. It's, it's, it's his concert. It's, he's putting it on. He's in charge of a lot of that stuff. So, you know, even if he didn't know and he hired people to know and he wasn't really involved in it, it's still under your umbrella, you know what I'm saying? You still hold some accountability. If you have a kid that acts up in school, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, the kid did it, but you are the parent. So we can't we can't really punish the kid. That's on you to do that. But we can punish you. That's how it works. So I, I get it. But I don't know. I'm done with all that. Um, on this episode, episode three, Don't Make No Sense podcast, I got a special guest. It's my friend, uh, Cody Whipke. Um, basically what we're going to be talking about is, uh, MMA sports betting. This, he started his own YouTube channel that he makes predictions on, uh, upcoming pay-per-view events and just upcoming UFC fights. And he makes predictions and he's actually pretty good, man. He's, his predictions be really on point. And when he does these predictions, he, um, he breaks it down. He explains why he's picking somebody over somebody else. He's been watching this stuff for probably 30 years. And he he, he, he breaks it down and he makes you feel real comfortable about uh, taking his uh, opinion on, on a bet. So, yeah, I got him coming on next. It's somebody, he, he's somebody that I work with. We talk, we talk about this kind of stuff all the time at work. So he's a real cool guy. Um, we're going to take a break here, listen to some music. And uh, I'll be back after this. And when I come back, the, the interview's gonna start and we're gonna just get it popping. 
So we'll be right back after this. Don't make no sense podcast episode three. Don't make no sense podcast. I'm your host Evan James. Um, I got my buddy Cody Whipke on here with me. He's uh, he's actually got a lot of cool stuff going on right now. He started a YouTube page where he basically um, talks about you know MMA, UFC fights that are coming up, like like the different cards, and he basically makes predictions. And he's been doing UFC for a long time, so he he's really good with his predictions and like he places bets. So basically. He has a YouTube page where he tells people who he thinks gonna win, and then they're able to place bets off his predictions. And he's he hasn't gotten every one of them right, but he's gotten like the averages is really good. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and let him start talking. What's up, Cody? How you doing? Hey, what's up, Evan? Happy to happy to be on Don't Make No Sense podcast, man. <laughs> I know we've been talking about this for a while, man. It's it's pretty cool that I'm finally getting to get you on here. Um, so awesome, tell everybody what you got going on, man. Just kind of uh, give them a brief uh, rundown. Yeah, so I'm Cody uh, Whipke, and um, I got I do a uh, blood money MMA bets on YouTube, and um, it's basically where I'll, I'll uh, break down each UFC card, and um, I give my predictions and my breakdowns, like why each fight, like how each fight's gonna go, um, why I think each fighter or which fighter is gonna win, and then um, I'll break down every fight, and then I'll also I also go put in bets myself. So um, I'll tell people who I'm betting on, and um, I've just been watching UFC for so long that it, it, I, I I mean I, I don't know I can tell who's gonna gas out like who who's t- I don't know I've just been watching every single fight basically that they've ever had. And how long it just helps me be? Able- how long have you been watching UFC? Um, since 92 UFC, the first UFC came out in 1992, like towards the end of 92. And, um, I was like uh, 10 years old and, um, I'll be, I was, I remember I was over at, with uh, my best friend at the time, Aaron Frederick. And, um, we had rode up to the, uh, video store and found a UFC video. Me and him, we always used to, we always used to get in trouble and run around and get in fights and stuff. So when we found that, we just loved that. <laughs> so it's been about almost 30 years now. That's crazy. So you was watching, you was watching UFC back when like Ken Shamrock and all those guys were on top when it was like real brutal and, and they didn't really, yeah. want, they didn't want to put it on TV back then. Cause it was just, it was like a really brutal, uh, like a death match. It seemed like. Yeah. Well, well, that's the thing is like, um, back in the nineties, it was hard for the UFC to even put on events because, um, they had, uh, well, like Mark Coleman, he became the first heavyweight champ in the UFC, and he's actually from my home city at, in Fremont, Ohio. And um, he's an Olympic wrestler and uh, just a real big dude. So he would go in and uh, take people down, and they actually call him the godfather of ground and pound. Like he invented that because, you know, he's coming in like UFC 6. Yeah. And um, he used to just take people down. He's a big dude, a heavyweight, and he would just headbutt them. Just hold him down and headbutt him and uh they actually got rid of the headbutt um <laughs> but 
Yeah, but, uh, like back then it was uh, no holds barred, so you could do any. I mean, you could hit people in the groin, all that, but uh, they they couldn't um, put on shows. You know, they had to do shows in like Alabama and just little places. They weren't allowed nowhere, and um, so they started cleaning all that up. You know, got got the rules a little better to make it more of a sport, and um, just over time, it's gotten so much better. I mean, now what's what's that? No, and back then. Dana White wasn't involved back then. He, it, you, I think they started cleaning it up once he bought it, right? Yeah, yeah. He, uh, Dana White, he got involved. I mean, he's been there since pretty much the beginning, but just not like maybe like the first seven years. Yeah, they were pretty much bankrupt. Like basically, um, the Gracies started the UFC. Like they, the Gracies, um, there's uh, Henzo Gracie, Hoist Gracie, and uh, Hickson Gracie, who's like the greatest Gracie ever. He's like the toughest brother of them all. Um, they they really started the UFC, and they ran it um, with another guy for like six, seven years. But like I said, they couldn't really make no money off it and stuff because they were banned from everywhere. Right. So, so they, but um, yeah, they they actually started losing money. And when Dana White and them bought it, uh, the, well, the Fertitta brothers bought it. <laughs> And they own casinos and stuff. And then they brought Dana White in. And, um, yeah, he Dana White changed it all around. He's the one that made it what it is, for sure. He, he's a, he, he's awesome. And it's crazy. Like, I never – back then in 92, I was, like, what, seven, seven, eight years old. I didn't really watch it then. But I didn't start knowing what the UFC was until – I was a big – like I was a big professional wrestling fan, like WWF yeah, and all that stuff. Yeah, me too. And once, yep. once Ken Shamrock – made that switch to the WWF. The world's that's, most dangerous Yeah, man. that's when I was starting yep. to realize where he came from and how brutal it was. Then they had people yep. like they had people like Dan Severn and Tank Abbott, yeah. all those guys jumped over. Yep. That's that was that actually kind of brought some light to the UFC. Because you know Ken Shamrock right. came to the WWF for a few years. Then he actually ended up going back to the UFC because he you know he yeah. wanted to compete yep. still. So, you know, yeah, once and, once they started doing that, it brought a lot of attention to the UFC. And I think that's when the UFC wanted, they realized where they could make a whole lot more money if they were to put more, um, you know, just more restrictions on the way they fight, no headbutting, all the yeah. brutal, brutal stuff. And now you see that's, yeah. you see the UFC on Fox Sports. It's, on all, it's all over the place now. It's all, well, well, see, that's, that's why I really, I mean, like I said, I've been... I've been betting like DraftKings and stuff for about like five years, but you know, we couldn't do the sports book and stuff till we just got that one over there in Indiana. Yeah. So um, I couldn't really just bet them straight, but now that I can bet them straight, I can win a, a bunch of money. But what happened was like, um, like I said, in the early days, they couldn't, I mean, you had to go look for UFC. It's like faces of death. You know what I mean? You couldn't, you couldn't find it on pay-per-views or nothing really sometimes. Cause they just, they had it blacked out. Well, um, I think it was in 2006 or 2007 is when they, they did the first ultimate fighter season. Yeah. And um, it was on uh, Spike or one of them channels. And that's when it got huge because that's when Forrest Griffin and Stefan Bonner. I remember that fight and they were on live TV and they had like the, one of the craziest fights in the history of uh, UFC. And um, they said during like the ratings, you know what, when it first started the fight, there was like uh, a million people watching or something. And they said by the end of the fight in the third round, like so many people had called their friends and whatnot, told them to get on that. There was like 6 million people watching. But um, I remember that, so that I, was, got, I was watching. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's when it got more big, you know, it finally got on regular TV with the ultimate fighter. But um, yeah, just about two years ago, um, they got on ESPN. Es, they they signed a big deal with ESPN, and um, 
dude, that that's that made it go a lot more mainstream. You know what I mean? Because if you're just looking it up on on Saturday, you come across that um, on ESPN, you might turn it on with nothing to do, and now you'll see. You know, it's 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 just a really good sport. You just got people that love fighting. And, yeah. uh I remember when they did that. Uh, was was it wasn't Randy Couture and Chuck Liddell the two coaches of that of that show? Yeah. 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 On the first, yeah, I, dude. I um, and I've actually uh, back then. I already loved it. I'd been going to UFCs. Like, uh, I got pictures of Joe Rogan when he still had hair with me. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, but yeah, yeah, I've been, uh, but they, they used to have them in Ohio all the time because, um, in March they had the Arnold classic there and, um, uh, a lot of famous people and the fighters and stuff would go to that Arnold classic. So they would have it that same weekend. Like I've seen Anderson Silva fight twice. That guy's amazing. It's crazy. And it's funny, um, your YouTube page, you've only been doing it for a few weeks, and you already have, like, damn near 70 subscribers, don't you? I started it about, I think I've done seven videos now. And uh, yeah, I've just been giving out my picks, and uh, each week, I've went, it's, it's different. Some weeks, I get, like, 10 subscribers. Some, I'll get, like, three. But, yeah, um, I've just put out, I've been putting out really good picks, and I've, I've done uh, 20, 28 and uh, 8. In my picks so far for, for profit of 3280 bucks so i'm hoping to get uh a lot more subscribers but i didn't know and like something even uh 90 was a good amount i thought because when i see these other guys some of the other campers that you know they're they're kind of terrible and i'll look and they have like 700 subscribers and i'm like how's this guy got 700 but i got 90 but i guess it just takes time man and it's crazy like i don't even I don't really watch, like, I watch UFC, I'm a, I'm a casual UFC uh, uh, fan, like, I don't really keep up with who's the best and all the names like that, I, I'm familiar with some of the big names, but, like, I don't really right. keep up with it like that, I'm the kind of fan that where, if I'm flipping channels and I see that it's on, I'll stop and watch it, but, but I've seen how your predictions, a lot of your predictions come out, on, come out winning, so I'm like, man, I don't really watch, but UFC seems to have uh, pay-per-views like every other week. It seems like. So I'm like, man, yeah. I'm like, I see, I see what you got going on. I'm like, damn, I don't really watch like that. But if he keeps hitting like this, I wouldn't mind betting a few dollars here and there just to see if I can win some money. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I got a, uh, actually, I got a couple people that um would text me when uh, like the UFC's on Saturday, and I got a couple people that would text me throughout the UFC that bet online. Um, uh, and I'll be giving them like live parlays and stuff like that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean that's that's why I like that. that I, I really got into this too of wanting to make these breakdowns because man, I think UFC is going to be huge. Like um, like we were talking about, uh, it's just starting to get mainstream. Like it just got on ESPN about about a year and a half to two years ago. So that helps. And and through ESPN, they own ABC, I believe, and um, it's ABC or NBC. So they they put on a big show for that um last year. And if they can just the more they can get the mainstream, the better. And then also um, the reason why I think maybe in five to ten years it's going to be one of the biggest sports there is is because every other sport. Um, you know, they have like basketball is maybe five months, football is five months. UFC is all year round. And um, they've been doing, you know, uh, one every weekend. You got usually one pay-per-view in a month and then you get three free ones. They're on ESPN plus. Yeah. But uh, three, three free ones. I mean, there's it's just constantly every weekend you, you got something to do. Who is who 
right now, well, in the heavyweight the heavyweight division, the the best the best fighter in the heavyweight division right now is uh, what's his name? Uh, Francis Ngannou. Ngannou, yeah. God, he's, he's like, about to get beat, man. He's who, about to get beat. Who's he about to fight? Surogan. You think he's gonna, You think he's gonna yeah. beat him? I think he can. They're both because they're both the same size and they both got power. Um, Francis Ngannou's got crazy power, but but Surogan, dude, he moves like he, he's like 260 pounds and he moves like a 170 pound guy. And um, if anybody can beat Ngannou, uh, as long as he can take Ngannou's shot, because most people can't, but. I do, and it's like an even match too. You know what I mean? Usually, when a guy who fights somebody, he's minus like three hundred. Um, it's like a pickup fight on that. So I really but wanted, yeah, it, I really wanted to see uh, Ngannou fight uh, uh, James uh, Jones. Uh, what's his name? James John Jones. Jones. John Jones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, John, yeah Bones. Yeah, that that could still happen. Um, John Bone uh, Jones has got to stay out of trouble and stuff. Yeah. Uh, but he just he just got in trouble for like a domestic violence, and he let he's uh. He left his fight camp. He's not with uh, Jackson Winko John no more. So, but um, yeah, he's been trying. He's been talking about going up to heavyweight for like a year and a half now. I bet he hasn't fought for like a year and a half. And uh, he's been putting on weight. He does his Instagram videos, and he's huge. But man, I'd be scared for him, man. For the only time in my life, watching John Jones fight when uh, if he fights in Ganu, man, I'd be scared for him. He's a scary dude, man. <laughs> he's a scary dude. Um, um so you're the say the name of your YouTube page one more time just so we're clear. It's Blood Money MMA Bets. Yeah. And uh yeah, I came up with that name because it's like uh like I'm betting on them and if when I win money it's through their blood, basically. You know what I mean? They're they're shedding blood for me to win some money. So I thought that was real <laughs> blood money. That's real. Good. And, uh, That's real creative. <laughs> yeah, and I want to do. I want to. Um, I, I, I want to make get a little intro made. So like I said, I'm not good with technology, but I'm gonna have to pay somebody or something. I'm gonna get me a little intro made. Yeah. And I want it to be like uh like a Mike Tyson punch out cartoon type thing, and you mm -hmm. got two dudes fighting, and then one gets like knocked out, knocked to the canvas, and you just see bloody money kind of falling out of them like uh, Sonic coins or something. Go to. You need to go to uh, Fiverr. Fiverr.com is is spelled F I F I V V E R I believe it's called Fiverr and basically what that is a lot of people don't know about it I'm about to, I'm about to drop a gem it's basically if you're if you're somebody that if you're doing some kind of media content or anything digital uh it's yep. a it's a website it's got an app too what you do is you go on there they got people all over the world that have talents in making uh, graphic designs uh, automate oh, wow. uh, um um, animation, uh, all that kind of stuff that you're talking about that you need, you can go on there, yeah. and you can have somebody from Indonesia make you a dope, uh, um, a dope intro for probably depending on how much you're trying to spend, you could get one maybe for twenty bucks, and like twenty, oh, wow. 20 bucks over there is different than twenty bucks over here. So it all depends right. on what you're wanting, and it all depends and on it all depends on and who you're doing getting the same good work. Yeah, like right. we, we've actually used it with my company, Millennial Productions. We've we've used them, and basically, and you said it. It's called Fiverr. You said it's F I V V E R. Yeah, you basically go. You basically sure. yeah. You basically go on there and you go through the categories and what you're looking for. You search it, and basically you tell them what you're what you tell them what you're trying to do. You can look at all their um, previous work that they've done, and then you tell them oh, what nice. you're trying to do. You like you inbox them. You tell them exactly what you want, and they'll put together something for you and then 
you can have it modified up to three times before you have to purchase it. So basically, if you oh wow, if you tell them you want this and they send it to you, you could be like, okay, I like that, but can you fix this? Boom, they'll fix it. They can only they can only go back and fix it once, like two or three times. And once that third time, that's it. But it's it's man. really easy, man. Like it's it's a game changer for me because that's it, awesome. I'm I'm getting on there tonight for sure. Yeah, one hundred percent. For real. I mean, you can do everything from audio to video to pictures to video editing, everything. Um, yeah, and I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna get with you too, cause uh, I've done wanting to come over and um, like, and then I'm gonna bring snacks from work or get, you know, do something where we can do um, like you guys can even come over here or something. And um, I want to show you guys like pick out some crazy UFC fights, right? Yeah. And let you guys just watch them. And I would like do us do a reaction video together because, I mean, you guys are both funny, man. We had a good time. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. And everybody that's listening to this, this is the first time I've actually had a call in on my podcast. So the the, the, proud. the, the quality sounds, the quality is different from my mic to his because he's on the phone. But it sounds really good. But this is the very first time I've used it, and I'll get better with it. Um, I should have troubleshooted a little bit, but I think it sounds pretty good. <laughs> Yeah, I, what I'm hearing, it sounds perfect. Yeah. Um, before we go, I want you to, to kind of touch on something else that you're into. You're into uh, uh, trading. Um, uh, like, sport like, cards. Yeah, cards. Sports. Trading cards. Yeah. Yeah, so, that's. So, uh, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, that's uh, uh, another thing. I've been doing that. Like I said, with my OCD and stuff, and I've always been like a collector of stuff, and like I don't. Um, I don't know. I've just, I've always loved cards and, um, since I was a little kid, but, uh, yeah, um, I saved a whole bunch of them and I've just always known since I was younger, if I buy something nice, like just keep it. Like I, I was a kid that when I was like eight, I'd get a Mickey man or Joe DiMaggio, um, starting lineup and then never open it. You know, I just, I still have it. And, um, yeah, I started, I mean, I was collecting little, but when I, when I became like 18, um, my other buddy, he became real big into it and, uh, he got me into it where he was selling like he, um, I actually have a LeBron James autographed rookie card and it's graded by Beckett and stuff. And, um, I bought that off of him, like LeBron's rookie year, like $5 oh or 500 gosh. bucks. Yeah. It's at like 15 to 20 grand right now. But, um, I, he really got me into buying like the bigger cards, but man, there's so much money that you can make in it. And, and the way I think about it though, it's like, I, like I'm not in it. Like I'm going to, I'm going to buy this card and make money in two years. I'm more like, like, like I said, I'm going to buy something knowing 30 years that it's going to be worth a lot of money. And uh, what I've been buying lately is like, I'm, I'm going back and getting like um, PSA uh, Shaquille O'Neal tops rookies and um, uh, 90s cards like that, that you can still get pretty cheap. And um, like Shaquille O'Neal's, he's going to go down as one of the greatest centers ever. You know what right, I mean? Right. And you, you can go get one of his great USA, uh, nine, a uh, mint rookie. You can get them for like, um, 40 to $50. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it costs you like $75 to send a card into PSA anymore to get it graded. But, um, yeah, I, I think a lot of like, you can get a lot of nineties cards right now. Iverson rookies, uh, Shaq rookies, um, you can kind of get Colby rookies at decent prices still, but them are going way up. Um, but you get them kind of cards, man. You just save them for uh, like 15, 20 years because um, the card market exploded like in the last like five years. Yeah. And um, like I said, my buddy Tyler, he's real big. Into, he does the box breaks and um, he's, he's the one that got me to LeBron. Well, he used to have, 
the crazy story about that, he used to have three. There was it was LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, triple autograph card, and there was ten of them in the world, and he had three of them. And uh, he doesn't have them no more. I asked him about them the last time I was up there because one of them is on uh, one of them's a nine mint, and it's on eBay for seven hundred and fifty grand. But uh, so yeah, he lost out on that. But he's got so he's got I mean so many cards, but. Um, yeah, I look at it as like a, a retirement thing. But, oh, well, I was asking him um, why the cards had like, you know, 10 times the price lately. Like you could get a Michael Jordan mint rookie card, graded mint, um, say like 10 years ago. I believe they said they was like uh, 20 grand, 10 to 20 grand. Yeah. And now they're one same card uh, 10 years later or 20 years later is worth a million dollars. What? Because, uh, yeah, yeah, Michael Jordan mint rookie because there's only so many in population but what happened is um, they're kind of treating this stuff like art. So a bunch of rich people came in, like Ted Turner, and um, really rich people like that came in and started buying all the cards up, right? So it's kind of like a, a monopoly or something, where um, if there was uh, 1,000 Michael Jordan Mint rookies, like somebody came in and bought up like 800 of them and then just put them in their collection. And when you put them away, and now there's only 200 on the market, the it makes the price up. go way up. But yeah, they're also treating it like um like art, like Americana. Like if you got um uh, a Mickey Mantle or like a Willie Mays rookie card, right? Um, they're treating that as like an art piece from nineteen sixty because it kind of is. You know what I mean? It's just yeah, it it's, is. It's card printed back then. But um yeah, I, just, I see a lot of that. Um, but I'm into them. I uh I don't know. I like I said, there's there's ways to make money in it, but I I look at it as like a good retirement, and I don't like to buy any of the newer people like um, Mahomes and all that because they're they're real expensive, and, and you never know he could blow his knee out in in a year or two. Yeah. I like to get like Shaq. Shaq's that he's a legend. Um, I just bought a Kareem Abdul-Jabbar autograph card off my buddy. Um, I got like a Michael Jordan, uh, Julius Irvin autograph card, and in the I got them when they were a little cheaper. But now, like I said, they've just blown up. But um, it's crazy really that it's crazy that you was able to get a LeBron James rookie signed card. That I mean, mm -hmm. that's that's crazy because you know it don't really get too much bigger than LeBron James. You know what I'm saying? No, it's it's not gonna ever. I mean, it, it, it's. His stuff's going to, because, I mean, he's going to go down as the all-time points leader. Like, I know there's the, the Jordan-LeBron argument, but I feel like in the end, when it goes down in 15 years, when people look at it, they're going to be like, them championships are nice, but LeBron literally owns, like, almost every record in the NBA, like, major record that you yeah, want. Yeah, I mean, if he stays healthy these next three years, I guess, because he's starting to get banged up. He's starting to have these nagging yeah, injuries. He's getting uh, old. You can, yeah, you can to, tell now. Yeah, like, that. as great as he is, the the way you break all those records is by having longevity and not having no injuries. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And as great as as great as he's been, the thing that he's also had on his side is is health. And now he's yeah. starting to get those nagging injuries the same way Kobe did. Like when Kobe had like yeah. year, when Kobe hit like year seventeen, that's when he's that's when the Achilles injury happened and then the shoulder rotator cuff and his knees and his ankle, everything just started falling apart. Yeah. I'm hoping that doesn't happen. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that doesn't happen to LeBron, but he, like, he for these last few years, man, he's really been banged up. And before that, he really never had any injuries. And now he's starting to have these groin no. injuries, ankle injuries. So yeah. with him being this close to all these records, I hope he can, I hope he can get as many records as he can because I would hate to see him get that close and not be able to, you know, go for it. But 
Right. And, it, and like you said, man, it's going to be so hard for anybody. I mean, <clears throat> I can't really think of there might be somebody right now that's put up enough stats over like their first five or six years that they, which like you said, you got to be able to go 17 years without even missing a full season. And the thing, you know, I, yeah, even, man. And, the thing, and, and be the best doing it for them 17 the, years. The number, the records that LeBron has set that are pretty much going to be untouchable for a long time. It's, it's real similar to the way, you know, Brady went to 10 Super Bowls and won seven. Like to do that is almost impossible. And the thing about it's LeBron, crazy. LeBron went to the finals like nine or ten straight years in a row. So his playoff numbers are crazy. 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 Yep. You know what I'm saying? So uh, even though he didn't win every time he went to the to the, to the the uh, finals, the fact that he went right. every year like that, his, <laughs> his playoff numbers, his, his, his scoring, his minutes, his assists, it's is crazy. I'm, I'm from right up by Cleveland. That's what <coughs> – excuse me. That's why I got his uh, rookie card. Like, I don't, I don't buy all that many cards, but yeah. um, I'm from right up where he was from. So, I, you know what I mean? I really, we really felt the hype up there on him. So when uh, he came out, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and grab his autograph rookie card. And like I said, I've kept that over. I've had it for about 17 years. That's and, um, yeah. I mean, at the time, I bet that sounded like a safe bet. <laughs> yeah. That's, and, and, and because I, I mean, and you know, when he was in high school and they was doing like he was on ESPN and all that, they said they already thought then he was going to be the greatest ever. Like, how can you be six foot eight, 260 pounds in high school? That's yeah. just amazing to me, man. Yeah. He came into the league as a grown man. Uh, I mean, there's been, there's been a lot of players that come out of high school, you know, Kobe, Kevin Garnett, but all those guys came out looking like skinny teenagers. Like skinny. They were skinny yeah, teenagers. Yeah. LeBron came out with a man body. Like he was like a, a prodigy like you know what i'm saying yeah. it was almost like he was built in a lab like a creative player or something exactly he's francis and Ganu, bro basketball man yeah i mean yeah that's, uh, yeah that's yep. what francis is literally the best i mean if you were building a fighter he's had like 84 inch reach he's just pure muscle with armor yeah. you know long arms yeah ready and the power he's got that touch you and you're out power man mm-hmm yeah um but yeah man um but nah man it's, it's been good talking to you man on this on this uh interview man i know we me and me and cody actually work together we we talk sports yep. we talk all kind of stuff every day everything so everything every time me and we him love. me me him and my friend anthony we call him snacks at work we always have these really funny discussions during our thirty-minute lunch break, and without, every time we yeah. have a funny discussion, I'd be like, "Man, that would have been a good podcast." And then every time I yeah. say that, Cody looks right at me. He's like, "Hook it up, man. Let's let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> let's do it." I've been ready to. I've been wanting to do podcasts because, man, like like you said, we talk about some funny stuff at work. And the best thing is, none of us are afraid are afraid to play the devil's advocate. You know what I mean? And take that's why it makes some conversations interesting because we'll take the other side and be like, "What if?" Like yeah. with with the crab crab leg situation right james that was, that was <laughs> right. a good one that was a good one. that was funny yeah but nah man um but nah man i appreciate you calling in i'm gonna definitely have you on here more than once so uh nice i just want to appreciate wanted you, you having me on yeah i want to shout out my foot and it's not like i have a whole bunch of viewers yet it's only my third episode but i'm trying to get my viewership up and i wanted to help you yeah. pl- i wanted to help you plug your uh you know your youtube page and that's blood yeah, money blood, that, blood, blood money mma bets right Yes, sir. Yeah. There. And whoever's listening to, listening to this, if you're looking to place bets, I'm telling you, look his page up, Blood Money MMA Bets. I'm telling you, he's he's been watching UFC for a long time. It's all he talks about at work. 
And he he knows <laughs> he knows what he's talking about. He breaks it down why he's picking who he's picking. He breaks it down, and it makes a lot of sense. I'm somebody that don't even really watch UFC, and when I listen to him talk about it, I'm like, damn, this guy seems legit. He sounds like a like he could be a commentator, like Joe Rogan and all those guys. Like he knows what he's talking I, about, and he make he makes I his pick. That. He makes his pick make a lot of sense, and it makes you feel comfortable spending a little bit of money. So yeah, check yeah. him out, man. Um, but man, appreciate I, that, man. I I appreciate it, and um, I'm gonna go ahead and get out of here. I gotta go in and house and get something to eat. Um, All right. But I appreciate you, man. I'll talk to you later. Uh, you know, stay safe, and we're just gonna keep 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 doing this, man. You keep making your content. I'm gonna keep making mine. Heck yeah, I appreciate it, man. I can't wait to be back on. You just let me know whenever, man. I'll be back on to talk about anything you want to talk about, man. Yeah, next time we do it, we'll probably uh, meet up on location somewhere and do it live. Yeah, let's we can go get some food, go do whatever. Let's get snacks. Maybe snacks will come in and do one with us. Yeah, hope, hope we can get snacks on here. Snacks is hilarious. He's hilarious. Well, see, Cody says Cody says snacks is funny, but he's not as funny as Cody, you know. And then nah, and, and, he's. It is. He's funny, you know what I mean? He's got jokes a little bit, but he ain't, he ain't, he ain't. <laughs> <laughs> he, said, he, said, he said Snacks is like, he said he's like uh, Disney, uh, Disney funny. But, you know, Cody, he's, yeah. Cody's that, uh, you know, put the kids to sleep, uh, you know, that, uh, after dark. Andrew type. Dice Clay on yeah, HBO. Right. <laughs> yeah. Dave Chappelle. I'm that Dave Chappelle funny, bro. Yep. <laughs> all right, man. All right, man. I, um, I appreciate you. I, I'll talk to you later, man. And uh, just keep doing what you're doing. I'm gonna keep doing what I'm doing, and we gonna make this thing work. All right, man. You have a good one, Evan. Stay safe, bro. Okay. Talk to you. Yeah. Later, man. That was my homie Cody Whipty. Uh, Cody, I just want to let you know I appreciate you being on the show. Uh, we'll have you back here soon or sooner or later, you know what I'm saying? Or sooner than later. Um, I want to give a couple shout outs before I end the sh- before I end this episode. I want to shout out my homie uh, West End Goldie. He's been making music for years. Um, I actually started making music with him probably almost 20 years ago. And I haven't really been making music at all here in the last few years. But he's been doing his thing. And he's he's a one-stop shop, man. He makes beats, he uh, raps, he makes his own videos. He's he's the he's the he's the full package, and he's nice. Um, I want to give a shout out to my homie Trey Burgess. This man is a one-stop shop, also, man. This guy does everything you could think of, and if he can't do it, he's gonna figure out how to do it. Next thing you know, he's gonna offer that as a part of his business, also. Uh, he does construction, he does audio engineering, he does. He has a, a screen printing business. You name it. Um, he, he was selling cell phones. He was he was selling. I think he was selling cars at one time. Like he does it all. Um, I also want to give a shout out to. I want to give a shout out to my homie uh, Shane Barry. Yeah, on the outside looking in, man, he's got a lot of good shit going on too, man. He, this guy does home renovations and uh, you know home construction and stuff like that. And from from my understanding, he he taught himself how to do all of this shit. In a matter of 
just doing it. Uh, like I said, on the outside, I haven't talked to homie in a long time, but on the outside looking in, dude is doing his thing, man. I, I really appreciate people that just do stuff and don't make excuses and they just out here getting it. I love productivity. I love it. Um, one more shout out. I want to give a shout out to my cousin, OMG Mill. He's the one that makes the beats and, and produces the podcast. And um, I really appreciate him. If you ever want to get any music from him, he's nice. Holler at me. I'll get you his info. And we can do it like that. And uh, one more one more shout out. I want to give a shout out to my homie Snow. He's a uh, graphic designer. He's doing his thing. He's a person that works with me on the podcast. He's a sponsor of the podcast. He um, helps me with some of the graphic design for some of the posts that I post on uh, social media for the upcoming episodes and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, holler at him too, man. He's, he does his thing. Um, but we're going to go ahead and get out of here. Uh, this episode was brought to you by Millennial Productions. They are the lead uh, producers of the show. And we are doing big things. And we got some things coming down the pipeline with Millennial Productions as well. So I want to go ahead and get out of here. I had to I had to get those shout outs, man. I'm trying to shout out people every episode. And the people that I'm shouting out are people that I really fuck with. I'm not just going to be on here just giving everybody giving everybody love i'm not a hater but you know what i'm saying the people i fuck with is the people i fuck with and if i'm ever shouting you out on here just know i fuck with you trust me even if we ain't talked in a long time i fuck with you so we're gonna get out of here don't make no sense podcast episode three i really appreciate you guys tuning in we're about to do big things towards the end of the le- we're gonna do big things to finish the year off and then when 2020 hit 2022 hits we gonna kill the game. Trust me. We got some stuff we're working on. And I'm sorry I keep getting tongue-tied and rambling. I'm still new to this, like I tell y'all on every episode. But we're getting there. And I'll holler at y'all later. This is Evan James. Love. Peace.